Welcome back to another episode of Tales from Corporate. Here in the studio is Maria and Elise. And in today's episode, Elise and I will be talking about the gig economy. Elise, you want to start us off with why the heck are we even bothering about the gig economy right now? Oh, we're bothering because it actually is so embedded in all of our lives and what we do. And there's so much change pre-COVID and post-COVID as far as what's going on in the economy. And I've had friends that have done really well doing gig work. They never want to work in what we consider corporate office building or work for the man anymore. But it's changed. Payouts, compensations have changed. Issues about ownership are all up on the table and they're valid as well as what it is to make a livable wage. That's important. And now as we open up the economy again and it's summer, we really need to think about what it is to be a gig worker. I think that's being redefined. And we actually live and work in California now. And we almost had our own little panic issue last August. I won't forget it when we had business to do. And we almost didn't have a ride because both of us do not own vehicles out of choice. It's good for the environment. And we were using the rideshare companies. And then there was the proposition on the table in California to make gig economy workers, full-time employees on staff and the implications of that. And there was so much campaigning. I mean, it was unbelievable, whether it was in-app, on web, on social media, in the paper about what the implications would be if that proposition passed and made them employees and what that meant if they stayed the way they are, which is not employees, the proposition failed. And I wondered about that. I would talk to my drivers and ask them, like, didn't you want that to pass? Wouldn't that have been better for you? But the stipulation that got put on the table from the various rideshare companies was that we're going to put them on a set schedule. And that defeated the whole purpose, if you will, one of the main purposes of choosing that line of gig work uh, is that it was flex. You do it when you feel like it. You do it when you're on your way back from home, etc. And it made it less appetizing. But now. Now we're in June and um, can't tell you how hard it is to get a ride. So there's a lack of drivers on the platform. The platforms are charging exorbitant rates for riding. And the money's not being passed along to the actual drivers. So that's just an example. And then you have, we live in LA, so we order. Ordering is a thing here. I think it's a thing in every big city, but I know I used to order a lot in New York, but I definitely order a lot in LA. And Postmates, Uber purchased Postmates and then said nothing to us users about the change in the application. (laughs) I just went in one day, different interface. My favorite meals were gone. But once again, I'm blessed to be able to afford take out, if you will. I'm and, and delivery, and I'm very grateful for all of the employees or the contractors, if you will, of these platforms 
and I'm grateful that I'm able to get food delivered to me. But it's just, it's really trying people. It really is. So sometimes I'll order from a restaurant and I don't think they have enough people working. And so what used to be a calculation of it'll get to you in 50 minutes, it'll be there in an hour, it'll be there in 30 minutes. The delivery times sometimes are being expanded. And it's because they don't have workers or workers are literally clicking and saying, I don't want to deliver that. Whereas they wouldn't before because the penalty for declining a delivery order was higher. So they would just deliver everything and run around like chickens with their head cut off. So now we have an employee that, or a contractor that just doesn't want to do some of that work anymore. Or people have pivoted to different platforms like Upwork and Fiverr to do those things. So what do you think, Maria? I absolutely concur with you. I've experienced many of the things that you're talking about. And I, as you know, I am a steady user of a lot of ride sharing and grocery delivery and food delivery services. And I have friends who use Saucy so that they can get their alcohol delivered. Thank you, Saucy. Not yet a sponsor, but if you're listening, you can join on in. (laughs) But um, taking a step back and talking about this with you recently, Elise, I, I remembered where a lot of this started or where a lot of this took off. And by this, I mean, the gig economy. And so in the early 2000s, you had, you know, the grandfather, elderly millennials coming out of college and graduating after the economy had been doing really well to this complete dearth of jobs. So here they are. They paid the highest amount of tuition and they have the highest amount of college debt of any generation in history. And they have no entry level job to start their careers. It was the recession that would impact the same generation multiple times. But that was sort of the first time we saw a generation in America being faced with not only not being able to afford to get a job, they couldn't afford to buy a car, buy a house, get married, start having kids. So what did they do or what do we do? we started to have experiences. That was the beginning of this idea of, you know, the avocado toast and the brunching and all of that. And the generation called millennials were seen as this lazy generation that didn't want to work and were living with their parents. But in actuality, a lot of individuals made the best of the situation. One, they started to tap into the experiences and they were open to things like couch sharing. There was, I don't know if you remember, I guess I'm dating things, but there was a service called couch surfing that I was not brave enough to use, but I know um, people who did and that enabled them to travel more. At that time, there was something called vacation rental by owners. Then it became known as VRBO and now it's Verbo, I think, according. And again, these are not sponsors, but holler at your girl, Maria and Elise. But anyway, with Verbo, that was a way that people could um, travel for a more approachable price. And it was a way that people who did have a home could make some side um, money or a, a little bit of side income. And so this is building the story of this gig economy. We may not have had the term then, but that was the time where 
necessity was the mother of the innovation that then fueled Silicon Valley to develop the technology behind Uber and Lyft. And now those services like that are as if it's always been, well, again, some of us old-timey, rusty millennials remember the days of calling up a cab and the cab would tell you it might be there in 20 minutes and really they came when they came. And they were not necessarily inexpensive to take a taxi. And I don't think I've ever called for a cab and gotten a cab in five, 10 minutes, right? Now, a lot of times up until, as you said, like last year, there are some areas that are urban areas where you can get a car in five minutes. And we take that all for granted now, but this came out of that same generation that was called lazy. And side note, every generation thinks the younger generation is not as good or not as hardworking. Their music is not as on point, all the rest of it. But it's, I'm not saying this just because I'm closer to that age of, of millennials, but that really and truly, I don't often hear the credit given for the innovation birth from that time, which brings us to today, people are still looking at the gig economy, especially given what's happened in, in 2020. And, and after the economic meltdown of 2008 and nine, the gig economy has given us a way to be able to earn a side income or earn a whole income and not necessarily have to take what the employers full-time employers are giving us. And this also provided an opportunity for us to live in a metropolis without a car and or live in certain areas where for time immemorial, you needed to have your own means of getting around. And now because we're more open as a society to this sharing, this sharing services, we can talk here about the gig economy. But as you mentioned, things are changing. Well, you know, I personally, there are some companies that I utilized a lot and they just took a, such a hit. And I really was saying to myself, please, I hope they survive the COVID quarantine. One of my favorite apps to move, I wouldn't even have been in LA I would have made the move on time. It would have been a disaster if I didn't know about TaskRabbit. TaskRabbit, they're not a sponsor. They don't pay us. But I utilize them a lot. And I always recommend them to people. Because as a woman in the world, there are tasks. I don't do Bob the Builder things. I'm not Bob the Builder in real life. I'm Bob the Builder when it comes to digital um, platform apps and rollouts. I'm tech Bob the Builder or Jane the Builder, but I I don't know how to put things together in real life. So Ikea gives me the hippie-jeebies. Shout out to Ikea. But I love to go there and shop, but the thought of actually assembling things, it's a so, it just my brain shuts down. So my point is, is that I need taskers to help me do things like that. When I was moving, they actually helped us pack. They do really interesting tasks. And now some people use the platform and exploit people, but I've always found it very helpful. And I've actually met very cool people in LA when I first moved here using TaskRabbit a lot. Oh, but I don't know what people were letting taskers into their homes specifically, you know, where people use, people in New York are probably using taskers to, 
to get them appointments for the vaccine. <laughs> They're probably in January, February, March. I wouldn't put it past anybody or wait online for a vaccine. But I truthfully think there's a place for gig work. But the issue still comes up about what is the compensation? Like it hurt me. I think I feel it hurt me to really hear that the surge in pricing that we're paying on Uber and Lyft right now is not going to the drivers. That really bothers me. It really does. And it's not, oh, this is just the way it is. It really upsets me that they're not getting a piece of that. Why should they keep driving? I'm not even mad that I I have to keep rebidding for a ride that I scheduled in the morning to get to the dentist. I'm not mad. I just literally have to make more time in the morning and know that it's going to be the struggle that I go through to get a ride to take me 15 minutes where before there were a million drivers. And now literally drivers are going, it's not worth it. So I don't know where we go from here. I don't know how we move forward. You know, why would I keep working for like something like, is it Washio? Where they do your laundry for you. All these different apps that people would utilize to make income and, and, and subsidize their main income or be their whole income. It's just changed. And individuals are reevaluating what their work is worth. And I think this is a healthy thing to do, Elise, that reevaluating the pandemic pushed that question to the surface. And now things are at the breaking point. There are, we talked about this at a different episode, restaurant workers are reevaluating, is it worth it to pay for parking and childcare only to be relatively low paid and be abused at work by either your customers or your managers or and the like? Is it worth it to be a driver, to put that wear and tear in your car and to trade off those hours as opposed to working on, I don't know, your own business? Things like that happened last year. People stopped and said, well, what is my, what is my worth? What is my time worth? What else could I be doing and how can I be an owner, right? I'm, I'm with you completely in that I rely so much on ride sharing, yet the drivers are not compensated and are not treated like the hard workers that they are and they're doing the work you know underlying a lot of these ride sharing apps and and other apps is a fintech firm at the end of the day you know we often think about these as mobility companies but they're actually driven by the fact that we can load up our form of payment once and you not need to know the driver's true phone number not to need to know the driver's accounts to to put the money in. We don't have to even break out any form of payment. We just hop out of the car. Well, the same innovation that created that, you know, level of convenience for us, I'm hoping there's going to be more innovation that enables drivers and other people to, again, make that time for their hard work worth it. For both them and for their customers. But what do you think, Elise? Interesting. I think that we're just at a turning point. We're literally at a turning point of inflection where everyone's reevaluating 
Agreed. Everyone's reevaluating over and over again. It keeps coming up about the issue of not having a livable wage. And I'm not blaming the gig economy. I think technology is great. I work in technology. I love the things that we create. However, there is a thing such as exploitation. 1099ing everybody. They're a contractor with no benefits, no uh, pension, no 401k, no retirement coming from that gig work. I don't know how viable that is. And then when these companies go public, whether it's IPO uh, or via SPAC, the books come out, the real books come out, and then you find out that financially some of these tech companies are not financially sound or they're not doing well. And it's a, I don't know who's robbing Peter to pay Paul. If you will, I know that if Uber and Lyft go out of business, I have to now go get a car. I don't want to, but can't survive in LA without motor vehicle transportation. You just can't. The bus, this is not, it's not New York. So I do enjoy the services. I do enjoy getting food deliveries. I mean, and that's another thing. I use so much gig work. I, I realize I, I augment, I adjust my work style. And my lifestyle, living, if you will, based off of many gig services. So when I decided not to renew a lease or get a new vehicle, I said to myself, oh, well, you have delivery of groceries. You'll just get Amazon Fresh, Amazon Prime, Sprouts Delivered, or Instacart. You don't have to worry about groceries. Check. If I don't want to wash my clothes in the house or in the apartment complex, I'll just go to Washio. It's so sad as I'm listing down these things. I don't need to go to the Williams-Sonoma. I, I can order. Every, I can order it to my house. Someone delivers it. And I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for these things. I'm grateful for my Instacart shopper. But I'm also very sad to hear that the Instacart shoppers that tried to unionize a few months ago all got terminated. When the workers try to raise their heads up and come together and ask for certain core benefits or standards, they're dealt a, a heavy blow and then they're unemployed. Look at the hero pay that they tried to award here in Los Angeles in Long Beach and Kroger decided to close two or three different stores. And it's terrible. Those people now are not going to have jobs. All because the local government decided to award them hero hazard pay. I'd love to hear what you think, Maria. I too would not have the level of uh, luxury, if you will, in life if I didn't have all these delivery services. Guilt, you know. I make sure that I tip well people who are bringing my groceries because even though like there's you know food delivery and all the rest of it these people are taking time to select the right oranges and mangoes for me and and oftentimes they do a really good job I know a lot of people are very skeptical of uh, grocery delivery but 
to me, gig economy has proven is, yeah, there's sometimes there's shady dealings, right? And there are people who have their mind bent on criminal behavior. But side note, it's actually taught me that for the most part, people just want to make a livable wage and not get in your business and not bother you. But as you point out, firms don't always, they're not always aligned with that. So here we are. And people who try to unionize get punished. People who are trying to work in the Amazon warehouses have few bio breaks, even when they're pregnant. Um, but coming back to the idea of what next, I don't know what's next. I, I, I will tell you that I'm keeping my eye out and I'm encouraging people, you know, a lot of us have great ideas, a million dollar business idea within each and every one of us. But the difference is we don't act on it. We don't get in touch with the people who might be able to help us build on that business. You'd be surprised who's in your network and will help you either think of that part of the gig economy that you could plug into that won't drive you mad, but will put a couple of extra dollars or more in your pocket. Or you could be the next gig economy firm provider in a way. The sky's the limit. Agreed. Agreed on sky's the limit. We'll see where we go as a collective, as a people in the United States and abroad globally. We'll see where we go. I think that here I go. I don't want to be an alarmist. And I'm not in a bad mood. Today, Elise is not in a bad mood. I just Uh think that we are at a point. And I think that corporate America, if you will, there's been a lot that's happened in the last 40, 50 years to bring it about here. So maybe in a way, historically speaking, we are ripe for some type of massive change or disruption. Yeah. Things have got to change. If you're working and once again, I come from a family. Everybody has a million jobs. I, <laughs> my resume used to be little. I've worked. I've done everything except drive a bus, and I was just short of that. They didn't need any more bus drivers, but I've done everything. Growing up, I was always hustling, working really hard. You tell me there's money to go get made. I'm gonna go make it. However, it's exhausting, and that game of keeping up and working a million jobs, and or going to school if you will, it's for the extremely young. And as you get older, you want to know that, okay, maybe the company doesn't care so much about me as a person, but I can rest on my laurels that I will retire. I will be taken care of. I have served my corporation well, myself well, my community well, my family well, and I can rest on those laurels and people cannot. I think something is very wrong with people who are 65, 70, 75, and they're still having to work. And you see that on social media. You see people putting up uh, GoFundMes and uh, all types of pages sharing, if you will, a TikTok of someone who's hunched over sweeping the parking lot because they have no retirement plan. There's no pension anymore. And one of the things that I do want to talk about on another episode I learned at my last employer, which was a financial, the rates at which most employees 
sign up for the 401k or the 403b, it's astonishing. Many of the masses, if you will, on payroll, if they make under a certain amount of money, they don't ever elect and they don't enroll, which is why many employers are like auto-enrolling the contributions, maybe after a seasoning period of six months to a year, because people don't have any extra money to contribute to their retirement. And it used to be that corporations manage that for you, but we had to get that off the balance sheet and hence the 401k, 403b comes in and now people are supposed to self-manage instead of a pension. And here we are. And a, a bit about that, if I may. People usually often think about retirement when it's too late. What you just mentioned, that's literally oftentimes leaving money on the table. There are firms that will match a dollar to every dollar that you put in, sometimes $2 for every dollar that you put in to the future. And yes, it is interesting that firms have changed from pensions where they put money on top of your salary for your future, for your retirement to, oh, now you have to take your own salary and contribute and manage the investments that will get you the returns and um, provide you enough income in your retirement. But uh, that's something to look into and do it before you're ready to do it. Do it before you think it's time to, to think about retirement monies, because by the time you need to think about it, I promise you it will be too late and you will not have enough to retire and you will be sick and you will be slow, oftentimes slow to learn the new technology or the new processes to keep up with the younger people at your job. And even if you have to work, you may often be pushed out because you've aged out and you can no longer work a million jobs or even the one job. So just a note of caution, but to bring it back, um, lucky for you, Elisa Maria are telling you, think about these things, gig economy, lots of options, but the future, think about how you're going to live. It's closer than you think. What's the cost? What's the price? Opportunity cost? Economics 101. Oh! cost are everything. And that's a life lesson for me. There's a cost to every opportunity, every choice you make. So we're going to end on that note. Thank you for listening. Tales from Corporate.